you are listening to the Sermon Podcast at Bethel. We're an evangelical covenant church located in western Wisconsin outside of Ellsworth, and you can find out more about us on our website, BethelCov.org. My name is Todd Speaker. I'm the pastor here, and thank you for listening. Thank you, John. At this time, I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Luke, and we're going to be in chapter 2. It'll also be up on the screen, uh, starting in verse 8. Let's pray, though. Uh, Dear Lord, uh, prepare our hearts uh, to hear for your word. Uh, open our eyes uh, to see you in it, and um, ready our feet to follow where you would lead. In your name, amen. Amen. All right, so Luke chapter 2. Um, <clears throat> so when I was uh, growing up, I used to be a, a Boy Scout. Uh, so I, I grew up in the Scouts. I did Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts, um, never... Uh, this says a lot about me. Never did the follow-through to become an Eagle Scout. I was one of the regular, old, ordinary Boy Scouts. Um, I didn't really like the, uh, a lot of the merit badges and stuff. I really loved camping, though. Um, and I went on this one camping trip. It was a special, uh, special trip uh, that um, I only did one time. Um, and they took us out, and we sort of, it was kind of like, a, I don't know, it was supposed to teach us something. So we spent all day working. Um, and uh, kind of helping out, and we didn't eat a lot of food, and then um, that night we slept out under the stars. Uh, it's the only time I've ever done that before. Have you ever slept out under the stars before? John back there has. Yeah, it's really something, um, and, and so I was, I don't know, I was in high school, and so I remember, and I can just still picture it, because the ground was not uh, totally flat, <laughs> And I had um, a sleeping pad, one of those like camping, backpacking sleeping pads, and I had my sleeping bag on top of it. And we're all laying out there um, under the stars. Oh, and uh, part of this camping trip, uh, you, you can ask me about it later, we weren't supposed to talk all day. It was, it was kind of a part of the thing. So everybody's quiet. It's just dead silent, and we're all uh, laying out there under the stars up at, up at camp up in the mountains uh, of Colorado where I grew up. And... Um, and it was so dark, and, and I'll be honest, I have very vivid memories of this trip, um, and the main memory I have of this time was, was being unhappy, <laughs> because I was cold, um, I was very uncomfortable, and I could not get to sleep. You know, we'd been working all day, and, and it was kind of this big thing, and, and I could not sleep, and I'm thinking, oh man, I'm never going to fall asleep, and, and I'm laying there, and I'm just looking up, and it was a beautiful clear night, uh, and, it, and if you've ever slept out on the stars, man, out, out away from the city lights and stuff, I grew up in town, there were just millions, you know, just billions of stars out there. It was beautiful. You know, you could see, and it was just full. And, um, and as I laid there and I couldn't sleep, um, and I was kind of whining, uh, whining to myself, I wasn't allowed to say anything. Maybe that's why they wouldn't let us say anything. <laughs> um, uh, I was whining to myself. I started to notice as I couldn't sleep and I was just staring at the stars. Uh, just, I don't think it was a meteor shower, but there were so many shooting stars. Like, more shooting stars than I've ever seen in my entire life. And I think part of it was I had nothing else to do. You know, you're looking at the sky and, and every few minutes there'd be another, another uh, shooting star. And, 
And it was just um, one of the most beautiful experiences of my life. And while I was, at the time, um, miserable and would have been whining had I been allowed to, um, I still, um, when I look back to those years, it is one of the most vivid memories I have of laying down under the stars and, and seeing um, that shooting star after shooting star after shooting star and thinking, uh, looking back, thinking now, you know, I've never seen anything like that again, and I never would have seen that then had I not been in the dark. Because sometimes it's only in the darkness that you're able to see the light. Sometimes it's only when uh, things, uh, when you can't sleep, when there's nothing else to distract you and keep you busy that you can see the most beautiful, beautiful light. And, and I'm going to be honest, and I think many of you are feeling this too, maybe not, um, this last few weeks for our church, for our community, for me in particular, um, have been dark. Um, I'll be honest, it's, it's been a time, and I'm not trying to complain as, as an individual because um, I know how much others are hurting in our church because of people that they've lost. Um, and, and I've lost friends, we've lost friends. Um, many of us have spent time sitting with people uh, in their grief, or worse, or more likely wishing that you could sit with someone in their grief and not being able to, and having to keep a little bit of space there, uh, thinking, oh, I should call that person, I know they're hurting, well, I don't want to call too much. Uh, um, we've spent time these last few weeks, this last month, praying for people. Um, for me, I, I spend a lot of time uh, trying to, to think through and make sense of loss and tragedies in, in light of... Um, uh, you know, light of this thing that we all have that we feel like things just should be kind of okay all the time. But it's been a tough, tough time. And I think many of us, and not just these last, this last month, not just these last few weeks, but, you know, the last several months, um, it's been a dark time. We're tired. Uh, I don't know about you. Um, and, and that says nothing, right? That doesn't hold the smallest candle um, to the families in this church who are, are dealing with real loss right now, who are praying for their uh, spouse or parent or whoever who's sick right now. You know, uh, my temporary small discomfort, our uh, worry about how to care for someone is, is nothing, right, compared to what it means to actually be walking through the darkness right now. But, but for so many of us, this has been a dark time uh, and a dark year. And I think in years like this, I know for me, when I'm trying to make sense out of that, um, what helps me is looking at um, what the Bible says about light entering into darkness. I think uh, passages like we've been reading in Luke are so important uh, during times like this that, because they give us a glimpse of what God does in dark places and in dark times, in times when, it, when we have a hard time seeing, uh, you know, what the, you know, the, the silver lining that we're all so optimistically good at finding sometimes, in times when it's really tough, I, it helps me to turn here. And so what, what I wanted to do today as we um, tell the kind of this last story before Christmas Eve about light in the land of, of deep darkness um, I just wanted to read for you the story of the shepherds, and we're going to look at it together, and I encourage you, you know, we've all heard this 
story, just this uh, narrative, just a million, billion times. I know for me, I have a really hard time reading um, this part of Luke without hearing Linus's voice in my head, right? Um, but it's, uh, you know, try, let's hear it, hear it new. And so we're going to walk through the story. I'm going to share a few things about it, and then um, we're going we're gonna to end. So uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 8 uh, begins, uh, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And, and before we go on really quick, um, you know, for us, we tend to think of shepherds as, as like kind of like cute characters in the Bible because sheep are cute. Um, but um, in, in their day, in their time, to be a shepherd was not an honored calling, was not an appreciated job, and was not uh, somebody that you would want uh, showing up uh, just after your baby was born, generally. Um, uh, so here are our shepherds, and, and again, in their day, um, they're out in the fields and out in the hills to the outskirts of town. Uh, and, and there's kind of a reason for that. In, in their day, shepherds were, were kind of sketchy, um, a little disreputable, and, and not that people, you know, misjudged them, but, but often they were, they were kind of hired people that lived rough, and if you encountered them and they really needed something, it might not go so good for you. Shepherds were not, uh, not warm and cuddly, um, even though they are with warm and cuddly sheep. You know, shepherds um, <clears throat> were kind of roll up your windows, make sure the doors are locked, um, stay far away. Um, you know, they're important jobs. Somebody's got to take care of the sheep, but they were unimportant people. In Jesus' day, shepherds couldn't testify in court uh, because they couldn't be trusted. Uh, these were men of ill repute. And, and if you uh, were living this time, if you could make another choice, another career choice, um, you don't choose uh, to sleep out in the dark, looking after somebody else's sheep, if you can, uh, if you know what I mean. And so, um, uh, that's who we got in our mind for our, our shepherds, right? Um, and, and if, um, as we, we continue, what you'll notice is if you've been here these last few weeks, uh, Luke uh, crafts, retells this story, retells the story of the shepherds um, in a way that mirrors um, God's encounter with Zechariah the priest and Mary the young woman. It, it, it hits all the same beats. It's almost like um, he's singing it to the same music. Um, and the point of this is so that you can kind of compare and contrast these different kinds of people that encounter God's light. And so what follows is going to feel familiar uh, if you've been here reading these stories, um, because it's almost like the structure is almost the same as Zechariah and Mary. You know, there's an angel, people are afraid, they say don't be afraid, um, they're given uh, something to do, um, but, but here we go. So, so chapter 8. Our chapter 2, verse 9, <clears throat> uh, so our shepherds sleeping out in the fields in a dark, dark night, the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified, or they were sore afraid, if you've got Linus up here like I do. Um, <clears throat> so, so here we are, dark people in a dark place on a dark night, uh, and suddenly the brightest, most illuminating uh, kind of anti-shepherd appears in the sky, uh, God's angels, the hosts of heaven, God's armies uh, in the sky and kind of the bottom rung of, of people on the ground. And the angel says to them uh, in verse 10, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. If you're on the bottom rung of your own world in the top rung uh, or one of the top rungs of heaven's world comes to visit you, naturally you would be sore afraid too. The angel says to them, do not be afraid, just like Zechariah, just like Mary. I bring you good news 
that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Uh, Three weeks ago, almost the same encounter, right? When Zechariah encounters uh, the angel, his prayer was heard. They say, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Uh, Mary, when she encounters the uh, angel, the angel says, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Uh, But for the shepherds, uh, the angels say this. They say, do not be afraid because a savior has been born to you. Now, uh, it matters, um, you know, I mentioned this last week, uh, the ancient writers who compiled these narratives that the Holy Spirit worked in, that wrote these down and made copies of them, uh, uh, pen and paper and ink or parchment was what they used at the time, it was expensive. They don't include details because it's interesting and because it creates a world like we do today. They only include uh, details because they matter. And so for some reason, it mattered to Luke and it mattered to God and the Holy Spirit. One, uh, that God would appear, that the angels would appear to the shepherds, that it happened. And two, uh, that Luke and, and other gospel writers would write it down. It mattered that it's here. Uh, God, the angels don't uh, appear to the shepherds because they're the first people they ran into on the way into town. Uh, it's important, and so it's not, uh, it's not general. You know, this is not, um, you know, a Savior has been born to you. Isn't that nice? What a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling. Uh, because when you live in dark places, and when you live in dark times, and when others look at you and cross the other way, and when people don't trust you to testify in a court, and when you're a person of ill repute, when you're trapped by your own dark decisions, if God says... If a beautiful angel in the sky says, a savior is born to you, it means more than a nice, warm feeling. Isn't it nice uh, that Jesus is coming? Uh, It continues in verse 13. It says, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. I think it's so interesting that uh, this happens with the shepherds, but they don't bother doing this with Mary or Zechariah. Maybe the shepherds just needed that extra encouragement. The angels show up. A great company of the heavenly host show up, and now the sky is filled with angels. It says, glory to the God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby again, if you're Mary and Joseph in the birthing suite. You already got animals in there, and now the shepherds are bothering you, but we'll, we'll continue on. They hurried off, found Mary, Joseph, and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told, about, told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Uh, so, so again, this is how they respond. Mary, remember Mary, she goes to see for herself. The angel says, Mary, your relative is, is pregnant. And so as soon as Mary's done uh, talking to the angel, she goes to visit her relative. Zechariah, he, he can't believe it. Um, and his kind, of, um, his kind of action later, you know, he goes home and, and they have the baby and, and he writes the baby's name on the chalkboard. Well, the, well, the uh, shepherds, 
um, the shepherds, they, they go and find the baby too. And when they'd seen him, uh, they were so amazed, they just went out telling everyone, despite the fact that, you know, um, people might not believe him, it didn't matter. They went and told, it says, uh, the shepherds, they go tell everyone. They, they can't help it. Uh, when they encounter what they've seen, when they see what they've seen, they can't, just can't keep it to themselves. Um, but Mary, it says, treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, uh, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Uh, so, so, so Jesus came, right? Um, as Jesus came, as the baby uh, sits in the manger on Christmas Eve, we celebrate the light shining in the darkness and the darkness not overcoming it. Uh, as Jesus arrives, God, uh, it, it mattered to God that people like shepherds would be among the first to share the good news about that. Jesus came in the darkness of a troubled world uh, to trouble-making people like shepherds. Uh, people who were not trustworthy, who were unlikely to be believed, people who no one wanted to be around. Um, this is who God decided to announce the birth to. This is who he used his host of heavenly angels on, are people that were not trustworthy, not likely to be believed, people no one wanted to be around rejects, who were doing, uh, doing a job that went well with their need to be far away from others. And you have to wonder if you, um, uh, you know, if you were God's like PR person, like what are you doing? Like, you know, there are, are much more trustworthy people you can show uh, angels to. Uh, there are much better messengers you can choose than uh, some shepherds who nobody uh, believes as far as they can throw in. But for some reason, God chose them. And we have to wonder, why, why them? Why not someone good? <laughs> I mean, no, no offense, um, but why not someone special or, or smart or strong? You know, this is, this is bad marketing, <laughs> Uh, but, but God, of course, does this all the time, doesn't he? Uh, uh, if you read his word, God is constantly choosing uh, the worst kind of people in our estimation to do the most important things. Um, I think part of the reason why God chooses these shepherds is because these people in the fields, uh, they know about darkness, uh, they're not living lives that are, are pretending that everything is light and beautiful and great all the time. No, these shepherds, they know darkness. They know their need. They know their failures. I think one of the reasons why God made a point of choosing people like shepherds and other weak and insignificant and foolish kinds of people to, to share about his world being made new is because it's not until you've been in the dark that you can really understand the importance of the light. It's not until you've been in a storm that you can understand the value of shelter. It's not until you've been on the outside uh, that you see what it means to be on the inside. It's not until you've been captured that you understand the need for rescue. And it's not until you've really seen your sin and evil that you understand the need for forgiveness. And because of who they are in their darkness, in their need, these shepherds, they go and they tell 
everyone because they've seen light and they understand what it means in their lives for a Savior to come and turn the world upside down, for a Savior to come and make them new. I don't know about you guys, but I am looking these days for a Savior more than ever. I'm reminded more than ever how important it is to put faith in something bigger than what I can control. I need a Savior. Because in the middle of this dark year and this last dark week, I have found it's a little easier to see my own need for light. But it's also become a little easier to see God's light in surprising places, in the unnoticed, in the taken for granted, in the quiet and the ignored, because light, it shines brighter in darkness. So my challenge to you, to myself, is that this season, as we get closer to Christmas, and even in those, those rough days when, you know, for the next like five months when there's still snow and Christmas is over, um, in those uh, rough days, uh, to be uh, doing, doing three, three things. Uh, one, uh, that we might go looking for God's light uh, in unexpectedly dark places, in people that we think of as, as dark. That uh, whoever it is, whatever kind of person, that when you see or hear from them, your first thought is, I don't want anything to do with that, them, or that place. That person's wrong or foolish or terrible or bad. Um, wherever that is, in those dark places for you, I encourage you uh, to go looking for God's unexpected light. I want to encourage all of us to not count out the smelly shepherds of our world, the people who maybe are in need all the time, the people that you don't think of as trustworthy. No one is too far for God's light. No one is too sick for the great physician. No one is beyond redemption. And that person uh, that you or I am most likely to turn my back on and say, you know what, I'm not going to bother with them anymore. Uh, The person that we want to keep out of our circles and judge and exclude or cross to the other side of the street for, they are often the ones that are at the very front of God's mind. The ones God is most desperate to bring good news to. And finally, um, know, my encouragement challenge to you and to me is to know, to remember, to not forget that when you are desperate for some light, when things are really hard and really dark and there's no possible solution that you can imagine, when you've failed or gone too far or seen your sin, remember that God is not far from you. Because it's in the darkness that God's light shines brightest. It's in our weaknesses that God is strongest. It's in our sin where we find forgiveness. And it's in death where we find resurrection. So if you're walking in the middle of darkness, don't give up. Cry out to God and look for the God whose light shines in the dark places. Prepare to be scared by his light and wowed by the way it shines in dark places because we have a God who sent his very own son, flesh and blood, fully God, fully man, into the darkest time, uh, one of the darkest times imaginable to live and walk and die and rise on our behalf so that we and uh, shepherds like you and me might be made new. We're all invited to accept that good news.
to confess our own sin, our own need, our own failure, uh, to put our faith, our belief, our hope in Christ and to invite the Holy Spirit to make us new. So I want to invite you to pray that with me. If you've done that before, I encourage you to, to do it again as a reminder of what God is already doing as an opportunity to be uh, convicted of new needs and new shortcomings and new, new sins that you need to be reminded of God's grace for. But if you've never done that before, I invite you to pray this with me as a start of uh, inviting and allowing God to do his work in you because of Jesus. So would you, would you pray with me? Lord, um, we come before you in need. We come before you aware of our failure and our inability to make a dark world bright. We come before you noticing that our optimism, that our uh, big smiles, that our laughter, that all the things that we try and do, all the work that we can do, all the problem solving that we can do is simply not enough to bring light into a dark world. In fact, it's simply not enough to bring light into our own lives. No matter how hard we try uh, to, to be who we think we should be and who you made us to be, we fall short and we fail. Lord, uh, we have sinned, but we believe that you sent your son Jesus to live and die and bear our sins to the cross on our behalf. That three days later, he rose again in a new resurrection body. We believe that he did that on our behalf. And so we confess our sin. We give it over to you and we accept your freely offered grace despite our failure and shortcoming in evil. We believe. And Lord, we ask that you would use your Holy Spirit to work on us. That you would soften our hearts and make us new. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us. You can find out more about our church, our live stream, and our in-person services at BethelCove.org. Thanks and have a great week.